in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and uh, we're here for another week of uh, beautiful Top 10 action. <laughs> that we are. And we're going back in time uh, on this show, Matt. We're jumping into a little bit of a time machine for both of us back to the year 1982 to do the Top 10 uh, movies from 1982. An exciting year, a year that has bit me in the ass twice now in the Schmodown with Tootsie and uh, The Thing, but certainly a year full of incredible movies, uh, and some would say um, movies that change the landscape of movies going forward. So a quietly great year in films, 1982. Without a doubt. And we put the, you know, it was a random number generator, gave yes. us 1982. So that's why we chose. It's not for anything in spe- you know specific because what's coming out, it's uh you know slim picking still. So it is, it is, it is. We although there's best we can. New as of this recording that Tom Hardy, uh, not Tom Hardy. I'm sorry, Tom Holland. Uh, oh Robert yeah, Pattinson Netflix movie. Yeah, but I haven't watched it yet. Pseudo kind of. I think it's a pseudo kind of horror film, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, right, I haven't. Yeah. I, I've just seen still photographs. I don't know that much about it. Right, these, right. It seems as though these things just kind of come at like once they're here, they're here. Yeah. yeah. Project Power. I, it's the most advanced warning I've gotten since Space Force. <laughs> Space Force. I knew well before it was coming out. There was a lot right. of Space Force advertising. Yeah. Did you watch that? Uh, Space Force. Yes, I surprisingly enjoyed it. Uh, I had a really good time with that. Um, and uh, I enjoyed Steve Carell. I enjoyed the you, you were thinking that he was going to be kind of a doof, but he mm-hmm. actually had was a, a good character and had some uh, different levels to him, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, and the John Malkovich situation, you know, you went mm-hmm. in thinking it was going to be one thing, but it completely flip flopped and then moved around constantly. Who was in the alpha position, who was not in the alpha position, the okay. stuff with his family, everything about it was just a lot of fun. And Malkovich is just great in that show. Just a lot of fun. I watched yeah. two episodes. I couldn't get past that. Really? Oh, okay. You like my girlfriend? She didn't like it either. She watched two episodes. I was like I can't. Uh, yeah. After I watched the pilot, I was ready to give up after the pilot. But there's so many talented people involved. Yeah. Yeah. That that I was like, yeah, maybe it just takes a little while for everybody to set in. You kind of understand. Then watch the second one. I was like, nah. There's so much television. I hope it does well and it runs for, you know, fifty seasons. I don't. Right. I don't wish it ill will. It just it wasn't my cup of tea, but there's so much television out right now. Yeah. Although we're in a dry patch. We've gone through everything that we watch. I'm I'm jonesing for fucking uh, Fargo. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Chris Rock uh, season. Hell yeah, yeah, dude. Fargo's been so good every year. They change up the cast. They change the story, and it's still amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait. Great cast. I'm amped for that, but there's not a whole lot out right now that I'm yeah. actually watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm just going back and watching old stuff um, and getting yeah. into getting, you know, checking off some boxes of stuff I haven't seen over the last few years. Like already on Hulu, there's like five films I didn't get a chance to watch over the last few uh, months. 
you know, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I never got around to that one. I haven't seen that either. I heard it's great. Yeah. Uh, the Nightingale. Uh, and okay. there's a couple other ones that are on the list. So once we finish off with this move, man, it's going to be a lot more relaxed. And I'm going to have weekends to just kind of uh, watch movies uh, either in my uh, place or out in the living room. I'm sorry, in my office or out in the living room mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be set up so that I can watch the movies and relax and watch the movies and right now the tv's in here but the room is so tight i can't really feel comfortable watching movies in here so hopefully that'll be uh one thing i'll catch up on is watching all those damn movies you know because I, yeah. I i hear i just i kind of dude i mean we do we talk about movies all the time you know all the shows i do and all the shows we do it's just like sometimes you just get to that point where like oh do i really feel like a movie right now you know so it's just, know. Like, it feels weird man well Invariably, though, like two weeks of the month, whatever topic we have, mm-hmm. I end up watching movies, sometimes two movies for it. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing it's coming. So there's all that in the rotation. There's some more often than not, too. It's movies I've already seen. I just need to see it again. Yeah. To kind of stabilize where it'll be on my list. It's been a while. Let me watch that again, type of thing. Right. 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 Uh, right. Yeah. Cause it, every year there's four, five, six, if not more, that slip through the cracks and then you just add that to the next year's pile and yeah. to the next year's pile. and just It adds up, man. It adds up, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can only watch so much and then yeah. for whatever reason, it's like, yeah, I'll fall asleep watching this movie for a week right. instead of right. doing something new. But Yeah. And uh, not, being, not being a part of an outlet, I don't feel like I'm not constantly going, okay, I got to get the screen, got to get the screen. It's more, especially with the COVID now, it's more like, okay, what can they send me that I can watch at the house? What am I in the mood to watch? Do yeah. I have to cover this? You know, like Artemis Fowl, I was never going to watch. But if I had to do a screening for it, I would have gone to that yeah. movie. Well, I mean, there a were, different. Right. It's a different situation. Yeah. There are different. I well, mean, and there, there have been a few movies where I was like, I don't want to review this movie. I want to get the fuck out of this theater. Man. What I, you have to stick around. What about Lovecraft Country? Are you watching that? I am not yet. Not yet. I will be binging yeah. that maybe when it's done. Because right now we're watching The Vow, which is that uh, documentary on uh, the Nexium cult. That's on HBO, okay. which is great. And we're watching Love Fraud on Showtime, which is an yeah. awesome four-part documentary series about this dude who duped all these women out of their money, and they're all coming together to come after him. It's a true story. So it's pretty cool. Um, so that's what we're kind of into. And then a couple of things on the BritBox app, some British TV shit. Um, okay. But we haven't got around yet to Lovecraft Country. But once again, that's one of those ones like, I'll take a Saturday and just sit down. And watch it's them all back to back. Fucking weird, man. It that's what I hear. Weird. Yeah, that's what I hear. I've seen three. Catherine's out after three. Oh, she's like, it's too much. I'm out. All right. Well, she doesn't like horror in general. Oh, that's fair then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't know how horror it was going to be, and I, I showed her the trailer, and I was like, you want to give it a try because we got nothing else going right now. Right. And it's just, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if I like it or not after three. Okay. Okay. I would. That's fair. I'm intrigued to watch the fourth, and I think now the fifth, I might be two weeks behind. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, and they announced that guy is going to be uh, Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, which is awesome. Right? Yeah. Just to have Kang in my life. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. You're talking about 1982. That was about my 1986, 87. <laughs> Love me some Kang. That's true. So I, I saw that pop up on Twitter, and I was like, oh, that's cool. They're bringing him in for the next day, man. Awesome. Can't yeah. wait. And he might become uh, the next big baddie. Like he might become the next Thanos because he's a time traveling guy. He's multi- existed in multiple dimensions. So, and he's he's you know had his battles with Thanos as well. So he certainly has the same kind of power that Thanos has. So, could be interesting if they turn him into the a kind of a bad guy, the next big baddie yeah. in Phase Five. So we'll see. I don't know if they. Mm. Yeah, I don't like the idea. 
Well, you're just okay now. Basically, you're just replacing a Thanos with a Thanos. Mm-hmm. So, what's unique and original, kind of, about this idea? Right. Maybe this one is a team up, and it's two or three people. Yeah. To increase yeah. the good odds, point. type of thing. Yeah. Good point. I could see that. I could totally yeah. see that. Or they go the opposite way, and it's a puppet master who's this meek but brainy oh, yeah. type character, yeah. and he's just orchestrating all these other people to do his bidding. Yeah. Uh, I could see that one. Yeah. I know, but I love Kang, so that was awesome. Yep, and we'll see how they play with it. I'm, I'm curious about it as well. There's so much to to run and through. Are, are they going to do that stripey thing over his face? The little right, and the color scheme that he had it was very distinctive. It's one of the reasons yeah. I liked him. It was an odd choice, and somehow it really works. Yeah, he almost looks looks like he's wearing like a lamp for a helmet. And it's Kinda. like yeah, but then they, but you're right. It made it work. It made it work. Plus his demeanor. He's so like rarely. Rarely ruffled. He's just so chill throughout the whole thing, whatever's happening. Uh, I mean, yeah, excited about that. But when is that supposed to actually come out? 2021? Yeah. 2020? Middle of 22? Yeah, maybe middle of 22. Maybe. I think at the earliest, that's if they start now. But it's, I mean, shit. Yeah. yeah, With all the CGI and shit that they're going to have to do, there's no way. Yeah. Unless they already started on that stuff, but I agree with you, man. Um, uh, well, Matt, we've we've come to the place of uh, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference Finals. How are you mm-hmm. feeling? Shock for the Clippers? Uh, sure, I picked the Clippers to win it. Yeah, the whole thing, or Which, just uh, yeah, they have all the talent. They have so much talent; it's amazing. And now, of course, all the stories are coming out. Uh, right, of course, as they inevitably do. Yeah, yeah. at least some of them. Because there was always going to be a narrative shift if this happened. It doesn't right. matter what the team is. If LeBron had it, then they were going to have a narrative shift. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's been... Doc's job is safe, apparently. Their cap ham... Not hamstrung, but I mean, they're kind of locked into running this back next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, they gave up five picks for Paul George, so they don't have a lot of young, fresh talent coming in. Yeah. So this was a fucking gamble on winning this year. As much as Paul George is now backtracking, quotes yeah. all year where we're here to win a championship. Our time is now. Well, we didn't feel like this year, like there was imperative to championship or bust. Yeah, like, it wasn't what? in what the locker room. Talking? Like, that's a bunch of horse shit. That is a bunch of horse shit. Like, Anybody that makes it about? into the playoffs, you're thinking championship, but that's. Of course. And if you're not, that's the reason why you lost because you thought, well, you know, I, we could do it next year. And you can't yeah. have that mentality, man. As much as Kawhi, Kawhi played piss poor. He did. He had a bad game. He but did. That's, it's not on his shoulders, man. This I don't think a, so. I think that was a perfect moment for Paul George, who had been kind of like, you know, uh, taken through the ringer uh, through the first two rounds. And certainly Skip, ba- uh, Skip Bayless talking that shit about Dak Prescott. You know, on the heels of Paul George coming out and speaking about the mental health issues he was experiencing yeah. uh, in the bubble was terrible. So, like, this was a moment where he could have really stepped up, taken control of the team for one game when Kawhi was off and really showed why they brought a second alpha dog into this team. Uh, but he couldn't do it. He only had 16 points, man. Yeah. He's. Okay. They missed so many. And look. Up until then, by and large, Kawhi had been steady Eddie. That first yep. round, it's, if you need basically 29 or 30 points, he's going to get you that right. plus a nice amount of rebounds and assists every game. He averaged out to something along those lines. So he's allowed to have 
a bad game. Yeah. It sucks it came in a game seven and it does look poorly on him, but he didn't look any different. His shot looked the exact same. He was a right. he's a fucking robot. And sometimes the robot is a little bit off. Yeah. It's true. It's and you know, got to get some more oil in the gears. He wasn't. He's not getting as much rest, so that you know that uh, degenerative left knee condition that he has, or left a uh, uh, leg condition. Yeah, it's going to act up when you're playing every other day, perhaps. And his jumper was a little bit short because he didn't have the bounce in his legs because he's not getting two days off every once and again. Right. Yeah. So, Paul George, or for the series, Lou Williams or Montrezl Harrell. Where were you guys until the last game? We can do this all day long. Yeah. Uh, it sucks for them, but it's awesome for the Nuggets. Uh, yeah. Jamal by the time Murray. people hear this, yeah, we'll have. Two games in the bag plus one that night as you're listening to this. No idea where it's going to go. All I know is the Lakers don't want to be up 3-1 at any point. Yeah. That's all yeah. I know. <laughs> Keep it chill. 3-0. Or 2-2 two, two, or 3-3. Three, three. Two, yeah. 2-2, two, two, good to go. You're going to win 4-2. 3-0, you close outs. You're fine. Right. Uh, there's a few scenarios where you can guarantee you'll make it through this. <laughs> Because the Nuggets are amazing. And then, you know, game two is the night of Celtics heat. And that game was so awesome. Dude, that game was great. Why? My only real critique is why is at the end of regulation versus the end of overtime? Tatum has the ball both times. He shoots a step back for no reason, three from 30 feet. When he had four seconds on the clock, what he should have done is what he did in OT. And you make a run at it. Maybe you get the foul call. Maybe you don't. But you're going right. to OT. You can't lose the game. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't. That's the swagger thing, man. You know, guys nowadays, you're seeing with the stars nowadays, they like to step back and hit that hit that sure. shot for the because they get that kind of fame and notoriety from it. But cost you game one of a conference finals it's not a good thing man he should have i agree he should have blitzed the basket with four seconds left. at the very least or the defense would over collapse because they don't want to give up and just kick right. out to somebody wide who's already in a shooting position ready to roll yep, yep. absolutely um, that's the only like you would nitpick here and there and it's like oh the defense got lazy or whatnot but it was so back and forth i yeah. mean literally if you look at it the celtics won the first quarter the heat won the second quarter the celtics won the third quarter heat won the fourth quarter yeah and that's how it evens out. It's like they're up by 10. Now they're up by 10. Or they evened it out. And now they're up by 10. Now they evened it out. Yeah. Uh, so it's great game. I can't wait for tonight's game. Yeah. Excited. That's going to be fun. I mean, if the Heat go up 2-0. Oof. Only one like lost so far. It's pretty, it's yeah. so impressive. It's And that block by Adebayo was fantastic. Oh, my Just God. So clean. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he was trying to jam it. And yeah. Adebayo was like, nah. hand gets back. And Jimmy's showing up right when Jimmy always says he does. He's quiet yep. by and large uh, throughout the game. And then fourth quarter when we need Jimmy, he's, I wish Westbrook would take this. Jimmy doesn't shoot threes until it's a high leverage moment when they need a three. And he's right. so far in the playoffs, it's, he shoots it twice. He makes both. Yep. 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 Uh, he missed one last game, but he hit that, that clutch one late. Yeah, uh, at the end of regulation to get this game, you know, knotted. Well, it's been fun to watch, man. I mean, I I love uh, being a, a Heat fan through this uh, playoffs because you're just, or a fan of what the Heat are doing through this mm-hmm. playoffs because you, I mean, Jimmy has this force of will, dude, and he seems to be in the right place. Yep. And it is, he just feels like you're like this is what he's been waiting for. This opportunity with a team like this 
that he feels completely connected to with everyone who's on the court. And he feels he's got a basketball mind like Spolsters that matches his. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in the right and I'm humming, you know? And so yeah. it's fun to watch them play. Whereas on the other side, Brad again has to deal with like uh, his point guard that is a little off with Kemba constantly showing up, not showing up, showing up, not showing up, mm-hmm. which is a different thing when you're dealing with Kyrie, obviously you do with, but like you've got once again, a point guard, that's kind of like, you know, half in, half out. So you're trying to negotiate that. It's an extra headache to throw into the fact that you already have this pressure of being yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals again. So it's it's a lot of fun. These, these playoffs have been absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do miss the crowd now that we're getting later ah, and later dude, into the games. Right. You're so fucking right, dude. It's also such a unique experience that I'm relishing every moment because NBA basketball is never going to look like this ever again. Yeah. True. So try and drink in every moment because we're going to go back to what I'm accustomed to. And this is going to be the anomaly in the equation. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched more basketball in such a concentrated period of time in my life. It's, it's been fantastic, man. I've watched or if I have something to do, I have it on in the background. But God, basketball yeah. is constantly playing. I just flat out tell Catherine that like, I'm watching two games today. <laughs> I've gotten to the point where I don't say sorry. I just go, I'm watching two games today. This is my schedule. <laughs> this is my schedule. <laughs> I will do other things, you know, things need to be done, but sure. I, this is this is a concern for me today. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens, you know. It's uh it's it's the fun time of the year with the with the NBA playoffs right here in the finals both Eastern and Western Conference and and f- I'd say four really good teams on a roll. All four teams, you know. I think the the you've got four different characters, you uh, you know, characteristics of each team, you know. The quiet, the Celtics are just quiet quiet assassins the whole year. Uh, you know, the underdog, the, the underdogs, uh, a spunky team in the heat, the, the nuggets is a team on the ascendancy who had come close last year. And then you've got this Lakers with all the expectations on them. So it's like a great combination of teams to have in a, in a la- in a final four. So I'm excited too. Exactly. Now looking at that landscape, it's like the LeBron could very easily win another championship. Oh yeah, he could. Oof. But given the weirdness in this, I would not be surprised if it's a very good, you know, I hope it goes seven. And my overall hope is that Denver wins just because Denver, yeah. the Lakers have a lot of championships. It's not anti-Laker. It's like, I'd right. like to see somebody else make it. And this is a really cool story. And Jamal Murray yeah. and Jokic are so fantastic. Michael Porter, if he can get his attitude in check, he is going to be lights out one day. Gary Harris is bad. Like they're a shitload of fun. Yeah, Jeremy Grant is perfect role. Paul Millsap being old man. Awesome. Every once and again. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun. But at the same time, it's like, I'd like to see AD in the championship. What yeah. is that like? Will he shrink from the moment? I know what LeBron's going to give me. Is Caruso going to be the darling of? Are we going to get right. more playoff Rondo? I could do this with every team Yeah, because they're all really intriguing. I like that. This That's the other thing about this year is there's no truly anointed they're going to win. Right, right. Now well, and what, the Lakers to lose, but. I'm curious to see how Jokic handles Anthony Davis because man, everybody's been kissing Jokic, but since the end of that series at the Clippers, yeah. so. He's not now, for defense. So that's what I'm saying. Now, now we'll see what yeah. he really does in this situation. If he becomes a liability or if they can figure out a way to hide him. And I'm guessing they go back to, uh, I'm guessing they go back to running out JaVale and Dwight. Oh, really? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then you'll have Porter when he's in more than likely on AD just before his length. Yeah. Uh, cause I think Millsap is too slow at this point or Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they'll, they'll, JaVale will be seeing minutes. My guess is he's starting tomorrow night. No, probably. Yeah, good point. 
we'll see. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, when you talk about uh, basketball, you talk about some of the great glory days, and uh, certainly the 80s were great glory days, and we're doing 1982. I think this is the year the Sixers finally got over the hump against the Lakers, I think. And I think this is the faux, faux, faux year, isn't it? Or is this Lakers over Celtics in 82? Isn't it Lakers over Celtics? All right. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. 1982 NBA Finals, Lakers, Sixers. Uh, yeah, Lakers win this one four to two. Yeah, all right. So the Lakers win. They beat the Sixers four to two in 1982, June seventh, 1982. And 1982 is uh, the top ten were countdown today. Top ten 1982 movies. So that was another stellar series. Uh, Matt, do you want to tell them how the show works? Sure. Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways, create personal top 10. Let's show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Um, all right. Uh, start us off, my man. Okay. Uh, you know, good year in film. There's going to be at least one. I don't think either of us is going to have that. Everybody's going to complain about. Of course, of course, of course. And they probably already know about it. If they know our show. Exactly. And, uh, so, you know, enjoy your opinion, man. Because <laughs> we're not going to change it. Nope. Um, although the Smithsonian has contacted us and these lists are official. So oh, it is, okay, okay. ET has now been officially left off the top 10 of that year. Yeah. Uh, Wikipedia will be changed next week on Tuesday. It's a, it's a quick moving process. Of course. Anyway, at 10, I got night shift. Oh, nice choice. Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, Mike Keaton. Yep. Um, oh, gosh, darn it. Henry Winkler. Yes. And, and Shelley Long. Yes, and Shelley Long. Yeah. It's a fun little comedy where you can see Keaton's about to be somebody. Yeah. Yeah, he's, on the, he's on the precipice. Yeah. He's on the cusp. You're right. right about there. And then the next yeah. year, probably 18 months, is when he fully breaks. And yeah. Michael Keaton just rattles off four or five movies in three years. Uh, yeah. So it's really fun to go back and watch for that. I like the movie. It's a good movie. Yeah. But I go back to watch for Keaton just to see like the early oh, yeah. glimpses of this guy. And it's nothing against Henry. He, by all accounts, is one of the most pleasant people you'll ever meet in your entire yeah. life. And I'm envious for not having met him for that reason. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's more for me, the fascination with Keaton. And he's been a big part of my life since Mr. Mom and Gung Ho then to Batman, then to I was lamenting him disappearing uh, to now the resurgence when he was coming back around. I couldn't have been happier. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, and he's done even movies that don't come up for, like, The Founder. Yeah. Good. You see, that's I another one on my list. I got to watch that one again. He's awesome in it. Bit. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. The movie's good. I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. Right. But it's, it's like a Trumbo, but much, much better Trumbo. Okay. Where you're tuning in for him. Right. Um, and you learn quite a bit about McDonald's, actually, which is crazy. I didn't know where they actually make their money. Yeah. It's kind of like Amazon with cloud computing. That's where they make all their money to subsidize the service that gets all our information, and then they sell that information. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like the movie. I remember being very funny. I remember when, uh, uh, was it Michael Keaton throws himself off the... Near the end, where he throws himself off the stairs and lands and gets pops right back up, and they're all just shocked. Um, yeah, it was a, such an interesting, unique type of movie. And the '80s specialized in those kind of raunchy yeah. comedies. Well, running that, a, that also have heart to them, and so yeah, yeah, 
running a cat house out of a morgue. Yeah. Only in the eighties, man. <laughs> it was like Dr. Detroit, right? When, uh, yeah. Dan Aykroyd takes over and he's running the, the prostitutes out of there. Like, it's all for fun and playful. Like, and, you know. Porkies will never be oh, remade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Meatballs will never be remade. Right. I think Meatballs has a closer chance. Porkies does not. Only in the 80s, baby. I was watching Back to School the other day and I was like, oh, there's no way you could make this now. Like, there's not, there's so many. T- I mean, you could, but there'd be, you'd have to cut out so much of the scenes uh, that well, are troublesome. Like, and did you watch that for Rodney alone? Yeah, but I'm saying Rodney rolling up on the girls' dorm, a girls' uh, sorority, thinking it's his son's fraternity, walking in through the door, then yeah. blatantly just walking into the shower, pull yanking over a shower curtain, and of course, some young girl, yeah, with her boobs Ooh. out that you can totally see, uh, or breasts out, sorry, and he he closes it, and he goes, oh my god, and then he opens it again to go, you look incredible, and then shuts it back up or something like huh. that. So you couldn't get away with that. You don't want to use the word boobs? What's wrong with boobs? I don't know. I don't know. I never. I don't want to piss people off or offend people. It's all crazy nowadays. So I'm trying to be careful where I can be careful. But sure. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're really protecting all your bases. Just try. Uh, but anyway, you couldn't. You couldn't make it now. You couldn't make it there for, no. for a number of reasons, man. You know, for a billion around. reasons, it does not get made now. Right. I forgot William Zabka is in it. The guy was of course, obviously in. Oh, yeah. I forgot he's the bad guy in the film, you know. So it's cool. It was cool to see that again. So, uh, but it'd be fun. All right, what's your uh, number nine? My number nine is Tron. Oh uh, yeah, that was uh, the hardest cut I've made, man. Uh, as I love Tron Legacy and I like Tron, uh, but I just felt these other films just spoke to me a little bit more. Even though I okay. do love Tron and I do love the Tron franchise. Okay. Um. I think it's mostly, you know, if we had done this when I was 12 or something. Yeah. Tron would be one of my favorite movies from 1982 because I it was magic every time it came on. Yeah. And now as an adult, there are certain scenes and certain action sequences and whatnot Mm -hmm. that I still find amazing. Sure. I love those roaming tank things. Oh, yeah. The legs. I, I could have watched a whole boring movie of those things just making maneuvers. I thought it was awesome. Right. And the speed bikes and the disc war thing, the game uh, that they amped up on fucking Molly and uh, speed for the, the sequel. It's yeah. cool to look at. And then other times you're like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the light cycle stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Light cycle stuff was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what I go back to Tron and that early love of Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other guy from the television star. Did, yeah, uh, Bruce Boxleitner. There you go. Nice yeah, poll. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's a little bit before my time. He was big to what my parents watched type right. of stuff to me. Right. Big in the 80s. Big, good guest star on 80s TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, that kind but, of like 80s male lead type look. If, if L.A. Law was in 1980, he would have been on L.A. Law. Yeah, probably, probably. Just yeah. uh, any of those. He's not a dynasty type. No, no. And he showed up in the sequel in Tron he Legacy. Did. He still looked good. He still looked he could, like he could do it. And his voice was even gravelly from old age. So it totally worked, man. I liked him yeah. in the sequel. He could have a nice – maybe he'll, uh, Tarantino will put him in his next movie. Could be. Why not? Why be not? Perfect casting for him. Once again – well, people don't know that was on uh, Topic Thunder. He'll get a page for me. Yeah, yeah. You'll understand that joke later. <laughs> it's a time joke. So, well, we're going back in time. That joke is future in time. So 
<laughs> so we're doing a little bit of everything on this one. That's right. Uh, but yeah, try, I mean, it ends up at nine because now I can easily fast forward through certain chunks. Right. Right. But I will still watch, you know, the vast majority of it. But it, it does not capture the same kind of magic that it once did. Yeah. But but the parts that do will always at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's my okay. nine. What's your eight? My eight is the verdict. Oh, uh, that's a slight punt. So okay. it's a slight punt. Yeah, just right ever on. so slight. It's ever so just, just, just a, a bit outside. <laughs> The chef's kiss of a punt. Uh, all right, my number ten uh, is Poltergeist. Oh, I missed that. Oh, let's see, would okay. Poltergeist make my list? Hmm. It would cut slide in at like ten. Okay, so I don't think so. Okay, all right, fair. Yeah, um, this is. I mean, you know, I don't always rank horror films, or don't always put horror films on some of these rankings, man. But this one uh, is one of these classic ones that still works for me. Still go back, or still scares the shit out of me. Still messes with me. And then, of course, when you hear about all the stuff that happened off the set later and all the weird yeah. curses that happened, all the people involved in this production is kind of scary as well. But overall, I just thought this film did such great work in giving you a family that is dealing with what they call a poltergeist ghost. Uh, the little girl getting sucked into the TV and into the netherworld of whatever that is or the other dimension of whatever that is. The big head coming out of the hallway, all of that. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the culmination into them finding out that they've been buried or the house was put on a, a burial ground of Native American uh, people. And then you see all the skeletons popping up out of things. So all of it all around. Those, Plus, you get a young, beautiful Joe Beth Williams and uh, Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Those are real skeletons, too. Oh, really? Were they? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. So, I, I, it's one of the last movies I could think of off the top of my head. But it's it's. Something I've kind of once I found out that I was, oh yeah they would have used more than likely or some shitty plastic version probably what was the yeah. last movie this is the last one I could think of yeah because uh, it was cheaper right you just grab those from the college and use them I guess uh, yeah I don't know where they got it maybe from a medical supply company that just had hmm. it it was supposed to be anatomy figure and they took it off and then <laughs> threw it in some muddy water to scare I would say mostly white people in theaters uh, sure you know what I mean. Sure. I was at that time. That was their game plan, at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's fucking that that movie's a real piece of work. Yeah. I mean, the stuff with the tree coming through the window, the stuff with the little doll wrapping its long arms around the kid's neck, Mm -hmm. um, all of it, just all around. Just great. You know, great stuff. I loved it. And still one of my favorite ones to go back to. It was Tobe Hooper who had done uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then there's a lot of rumors that Spielberg had directed the film because he was producer on the film that Tobe was kind of like they couldn't figure out the right medium. And so Mm -hmm. Steven kind of too. So who knows? But all around, it's one of my favorites. Um, All right. So then my number nine is Rocky Three. Okay. Not on my list. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to put it on. I sacrificed some other really good ones not to put on to the top 10 list, which frustrated me. But. That speaks to how good of a year it was. But Rocky Three, man. I mean, this one I can quote it from beginning to end. Uh, this film. Love this film. Love the soundtrack in the film. Love the score of the film. Rocky's journey. Love the confrontation with his wife on the beach. It's one of the best scenes in the entire uh, Rocky, uh, whatever, Rocky franchise. Is this the um, one with the running on the beach and they jump and embrace one another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but one moment doesn't take away all the other great moments that are going on. When he's like, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. And he's got to learn to dance. He's got to learn to fight and dance. He's got to learn to swim. He's got to lose the weight. 
He's got to take on Mr. T, man. Mr. T is iconic in that movie. Clubber Lang, Lang was great. Clubber Lang's amazing. I just I, honestly, Rocky Four is the only one I'll watch. I don't really care. I know. I think three is a good movie, but I just won't rewatch it. Wow, it's insane. You're, you're, you're the rare red-blooded American male who doesn't watch these Rocky films over and over and over again. Four, I will, because I'm right. a fucking patriot, okay? Oh boy. oh, boy. We defeated communism once. We could defeat it again. I think we should do a special review of the 40th anniversary that's coming out of that movie, or 30th anniversary, whatever it is. But they're coming out later on this year, November, I think, with an it's a it's a director's what? cut of Rocky Four. Stallone has gone back into the yeah he took editing. out the robot yeah he's cut out the robot but that he's sucks. also added I know I agree I agree with you yeah it sucks he's it's also it. added stuff he's trying to make it a little more serious yeah so, no I'm curious is the robot stupid yeah but it's also it's a nice touchstone of the eighties yes it's very eighties it is yeah. it's in a, these weird little jarring scenes that for me don't really detract. Even when I was a kid, I didn't understand. I had the thought of why? Why am I watching this? Yeah, uh, it doesn't because it doesn't pay off really. And don't you know? There's the insinuation that Paulie kind of fucks it, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's not like a full, well, but it's like okay, it's a, it's a weird '80s kind of that would never make it in a movie, right? Uh, but like, I had a stupid little robot that i got from radio shack or some shit like that that uh-huh. had a tiny little controller and it could work from five feet away and had this little microphone and you could speak into it and it would relay it out the front yeah. and it had two little right. arms but the the arms couldn't move it was just a stupid i had one that's all i did and i fucking loved that thing and it worked for who knows how long and then it stopped working and it was dead yeah yeah uh yeah just it sucks that he's taking it out but yeah what are you gonna do i mean what can I say? No, so I guess the 30th anniversary, but like. No, it'd be what? The, well, for the 30, Rocky Four. For Rocky yeah, Four. Yeah, 35th or something. Is that what it is? Rocky Wait, 1980, what, six? 1985? 85. So 35th anniversary? Yeah, okay. to be oh. out. Yeah, good point. Um, but I don't, I'm not a fan of 74 year old men going back and re-editing something they did in their 30s because it's a completely different point of view. It's a completely different mentality. And the stuff you found that worked for the film at the time, they work. it works for the film at the time for a reason. What, are you going to cut out uh, Hulk Hogan yeah. as well? Are you going to cut out Hulk Hogan, the Thunderlips, the ultimate man? Like, oh, wait, no, that's three. My bad. What is yeah. four? Oh, yeah, you're going to call cut out. I guess not. You cut out the robot, I guess. But like, there's there's more here to to, to that's cheesy. Like, you got to cut out that speech at the end. That's the cheesy part of that movie. Jeez. Oh, dude, it's, it's so fantastically terrible that, right? uh, that it's awesome. It is awesome. I can change. <laughs> you can change. Oh, are you kidding me? It's, it's, it's what never makes has the movie it. for me. It's this build up to <laughs> this guy has just been punched in the face yeah. like no other. He's a piece of iron. And just takes. That's why I like the the start of the next one where he has brain damage. Yeah. Makes sense. You got you got your noggin rattled in that last movie. Well, if you had brain damage, you wouldn't deliver a speech like that. That's the fucking truth. So you I would. You would. I could change. I don't care that he's doing it so long as it doesn't go the Lucas route of like, nope, this is the only way you'll ever be able to buy it going oh. forward. Well, fuck that. I have every uh, I version that. of Rocky Four there is. I have it, and you're never taking it away. No, yeah. But 
eventually there will come a time where that physical media gets lost and whatnot. You only have the digital copy. And if the only digital copy that anybody can buy is this altered one, it's just like, I, I hate that. About the time. Star Wars, it's so tough to get the originals. Because now these new ones are the real ones. Like, what? No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. It's the way the director intended it. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Give me both. I don't mind. Yeah. There fine. are some flourishes and ideas in there that I think are interesting, but. Yeah. No. Right. And like he was the one that, what, uh, lobbied before Congress about altering black and white films because he wanted to preserve the cinematic heritage. Right. When they were talking about colorizing all of it and saying, no, this is, it was meant to be viewed in this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And now you're going back and doing that to your own. It's yours. Yeah. By rights. <laughs> but don't but do it. <laughs> it's kind of like ours too. I mean. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. But uh, but I mean, for me, Rocket Three just works on so many levels. I love the, uh, as I said, they, I think the relationship with him and Adrian is more fleshed out in this movie. And you have the competition on the beach is is just incredible. The the writing in that, you know, the honesty in that. He's like, well, what are you afraid of? Is like, I don't lose what I got. No, we got cars. I go. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Well, because there's more to lose. Well, we're all gonna be here. So stop being afraid. You need to embrace this thing and go for it. Uh, and that's what she's trying to tell him. You know, it's like, don't worry about everything else. Cause you know, she says when everyone's through chanting your name, you can't live like this. We can't live like this. It's terrible. Yeah. So telling him, you know, it's, it's a pretty honest moment, you know, between a wife of a fighter and the fighter talking about how the fighter needs this adulation. And she's saying the adulation is not always going to be there. You got to figure out who you are as a person yeah, or else you're not going to be able to make it post uh, post your career because look look what ends up happening to Apollo. You know, pa- Rocky doesn't get in that ring with Drago later in life like Apollo does uh, because of that situation. When he gets in the ring, it's yeah. ironic in Rocky Balboa. It's after Adrian has died, so he's got something he's working out. You know, but there's no way Adrian would have let him get back in a fucking ring in Rocky Balboa, which is why he had to kill her off. It makes sense. You know, he hated it, but it makes sense. Uh, anyway, all right. So then, my number eight is uh, Tootsie. Is that on your list? No, it was a tough cut. Wow. But I don't watch it again. You know what I mean? I'm not, it's okay. not like I'm one I'm going to seek out, and it's in that realm on my list. Okay. All right. So. I love Tootsie. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and, uh, you know, I just watched, when I was doing the Schmodown, I, I blanked on the director until the last second. Couldn't get it written down in time. Knew it, but just couldn't get it written down in time. It's a shame. But overall, a great film. Love Dustin Hoffman. Uh, love uh, Bill Murray in it. Jessica Lange. Uh, Gina Davis has a small part in it as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sidney Pollack, who directed the film. Uh, Charles Durning is funny as a guy who's like, you know, but the whole thing where he dressed up as the woman, like it's just so, it's so groundbreaking back in 1982, right? When like, right when feminism and the yeah. equal rights amendment was happening out of the coming out of the seventies and all that. So you, you had this idea of like, okay, nine to five was 1980. I think the Dolly Parton one, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda. So we're mm-hmm. exploring the idea of gender dynamics in the workplace. And so, I thought it was brilliant to see it through the eyes of this guy who was a dick and nobody wanted to work with him. But all of a sudden he dressed up as a woman and he could get work, but he had to also confront the way he'd been as yeah. a man towards women. And so what the the misogyny and the um, sexism that occurs in those films, you know, so I mean, in the in life, you know, in those careers. So I thought it was great. I was love. It. It's still funny. Still it works. It's very sweet. Yeah. If you've never yeah. seen it, it's worth a watch. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, all right, what's your number seven? 
Uh, my seven is The Secret of Nim. Oh, that's all you, my man. Uh, I figured it wasn't going to make your list. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've watched a documentary about Don Bluth and have the build up to this. And he took on, I want to say it was Black Cauldron. So he wanted nothing more to work for Disney. And Disney was like, well, you know, we do it our way type of thing. Yeah. Uh, so then he crushes them. Nim beat them on the same opening box office weekend, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it makes sense. It's, it's such an interesting and unique little story. It's these mice and rats that were experimented on. Now they've gained extra, like they're, they're smarter now. It's okay. flowers for Algernon type of situation where the, the rodent got smarter, but they can talk and whatnot. Right. And, uh, but they exist on basically living near us. They kind of leech off of our electricity. They steal that and they steal this. They're smart enough to, they've just kind of been reliant right. on it. Yeah. So they're talking about leaving and then there's this little mouse who you follow around and she's the focus of it. And her husband was also experimented on. It's a, it's a fairly dark animated movie. Yeah, it is actually. Um, yeah. But it's really good and it gets in and out in, you know, under 90 minutes. Yeah. It tells, it's got a hell of a punch. You jump right in. They give you the quick backstory on the characters. What Dom DeLuise, I believe, is the voice of a bird. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, a crow that can't keeps tangling himself up. And then he gets yeah. a little lady friend by the end. Good for you. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, yeah. it's got kind of swashbuckling sword play, but they're, they're these rats and whatnot. And there's like this mystical kind of uh, force also working with them. Um, so it's got all the fantasy stuff that, mm-hmm. that should work with a story like that. And uh, yeah. I've seen it several times. It holds up. And once I saw it was on the release for this year, it's like, yeah, Secrets of Nim. Is, uh, I love that movie. <laughs> so there you go. It's my seven. It's not on your uh, list. Not on my list. No, unfortunately not. But a damn good movie. I know. It's one that I I like. That one and Watership Down are two of those unusual 1980s type animated films where yep. animation kind of pushed the boundaries of what um, – but the independent animation that was outside of Disney pushed the boundaries of what they were trying to do with that medium. And I, I thought it was great. I agree. Um, all right. My number seven is Conan the Barbarian. I got my number six. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. I, Jesus Christ. Sorry about that. Go ahead. You're six. No worries. Well, it's going to be a punt. Star Trek two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me? Are you kidding so me? it's fine. Right. As I was saying, my number seven then is Conan the Barbarian. Is that on your list? No. Okay. I mean, what can I tell you? I mean, look, this film just kind of works for me on so just all the time. Every time I watch it, just love it so much. I love Schwarzenegger. It's prime Schwarzenegger. Before he becomes this massive star, he's still mm-hmm. kind of plotting around the movie, figuring out, you know, trying to play the scenes. He almost seems like he's playing him like he's kind of not too smart uh, and kind of a primal animal. But then that's a choice. And the way he doesn't, the way he plays him throughout the movie, I love that. And then yeah. when he gets that critical moment where he's like, you know, if you don't help me, I said to him, I say, uh, you know, I said, what is it to hell with you, Crom? You know, it's, it's great. I love it. Um, and what he goes through on the journey, you know, befriending the blonde girl, having, you know, uh, befriending, getting a couple other companions of what they go through to confront James Earl Jones. And James Earl Jones is badass in this movie as well. All the snake imagery is fantastic. Cult imagery uh, could still work today for sure. Uh, all of it, you know, and so I, I just love it, and it's so much fun, and it's actually it's in. I think John Milius wrote it. Um, I think, or Oliver Stone wrote. It. I'm pretty sure it's John Milius who wrote it. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think it is. Who writes like really kind of badass motherfucking movies uh, that I thoroughly enjoy? Um, let's see. Yeah, it's uh, who is it? 
It, no, it's yeah. John Millie's writes it and directs it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. So it's pretty, and Oliver Stone. Yeah. So then it was it was Millius and Stone. So you knew you were getting like, you know, kind of a hardcore badass male type of movie. And so I love it for that. Uh, absolutely. Is this with uh, James Earl Jones? Yeah. Yeah. He plays okay. the villain. Yeah, yeah. The snake guy. Yeah. So good. And it the special weird. effects really work too when he becomes the snake. It doesn't look cheesy or Harryhausen yeah. type special effects. It's better it's than everything else, not everything else, but a lot of what else was coming out around mm-hmm. that time, even a few yeah. years later. Yep. Uh, it still works now. Yeah, it's good. I uh, just not one I revisit. I got nothing against it. Yeah. So, all right. My number six then is uh, The Verdict, which is your punt from earlier. So. Okay. Really, really hard to keep this out of the top five, but in the end, I had to, even though I think it's one of the best Paul, Paul, Paul Newman performances ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd probably put this film in the top three of Paul Newman films ever for me. Uh, it's a film I came back to all the time. I watched on VHS religiously all the time. Just, just something about the crusader against the Catholic Church, exposing the lies that they tell to people exposing the bullshit that they do and yeah. also the, the the catholic church kind of standing in for any corporation that was uh, you know kind of getting big in the 80s yeah. uh, that had to be subjected to these kinds of situations and these lawsuits uh, before there was tort reform and that kind of stuff you saw this happening more and more you saw these places having to take responsibility for the shit they did and you have a broken down ambulance chasing alcoholic lawyer who finally get who was once great and finally gets a case that worth his salt and it changes his life and the journey he goes on and the chances he takes where he could absolutely fail and completely blow up uh, himself and the case and lose these people, their money yeah. and doom this young woman. To, it just, it somehow through some grit and determination and some fortune uh, it ends up the way it ends up, but it's incredible acting, incredible directing. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. Um. Yeah, it did, it's an atypical character for Paul Newman. Mm-hmm. This guy's been down on his luck, and he's an alcoholic, and that's specifically why he's the one that ends up having to be the lawyer in this case because yeah. nobody else take it. It's a loser, right. and he's a loser. So perfect, we're going to trump them very easily in court. And he decides to not take the cheap route and put his neck on the line. Finally, yeah. make some sort of change, stand up for himself. Yeah, uh, you know. Do something as opposed to just letting yourself drift away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is all he would have been happy to do. Just continue to drink and play his fucking pinball and not have any social or, or relationship connections and just just die in an yeah. early grave. Yeah. And says, I'm getting too old for this shit, man. I'm not going to take it anymore. <laughs> and he goes full network. And uh, yeah, it's good. And Jack Warner as his um his friend who you know tries to keep him on the straight and narrow, and then Charlotte Rampling as the woman who pulls what she pulls on him, and all of it is just it's such a brutal emotional movie mm-hmm. that he has to navigate. Uh I love it. I love it to pieces. Um I think it's yeah. Sidney Lamette too, I think. That so, sounds about right. Great stuff there. It's got a Lamette touch to it. Right, right. Pretty sure it is. Yep, Sydney Lamet. Yep, absolutely. And right, Mamet wrote the screenplay, bro. Damn, I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, that's my number six. So, all right, so my five yep. is get ready to say punt once again. Okay, 
which is Blade Runner. That is a punt. Okay. It's in my top five. So it's not like <laughs> I'm assuming it's. I'm at the Hillary step and you're at the peak. That's yeah, my guess. Probably. Probably. Then my number five is The Thing. Okay. Now uh, we're saying punt on my end. That's fair. That's fair. What's your number four? Uh, my four, probably not on your list, uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, man. Knock yourself out. Great. I, fucking great movie, dude. I don't I couldn't. I legitimately could not tell you how many times I've seen it. Wow. Wow. Eh, look, I was a stoner kid in high school okay. and uh, who occasionally took psychedelics. And, uh, you know, Pink Floyd is right in that wheelhouse along yeah. with if you want to go like a darker route doing that type of stuff. There's also the happier shit, and I was uh, listening to those bands as well. Uh, but yeah, Pink Floyd, I've watched I don't know how many times. Yeah. And it's, you know, now you see the scope of what they were trying to do with the overall record. Without that, I would have understood it was a concept, and you could kind of visualize some aspects of it. Yeah. But to put faces to names and whatnot and see the downward spiral, and there's also a discussion about Roger Waters. Uh, it's oh no, Sid Barrett rather. Yeah. Um, I think that was his name. I, okay. I just it's always fascinated me. Plus, I love that album, that double album, two CDs yeah. when I was a kid, yeah. and I've listened to that I don't know how many times, along with a lot of other Pink Floyd too. Uh, yeah. that's Pink funny, Floyd, I, man. I could only Best. dip my toe in the Pink Floyd pool every once in a while, right? Like, I mean, obviously, I loved. We don't need no education. Another brick in the wall, rather. I loved sure. that song, and that was the mainstream song from that album. Sure. Uh, but then, comfortably numb, I discovered later in life because uh, at the time, at tw- I wasn't watching that at twelve years old. Pink Floyd, the Wall. It's no way my parents were going to let me watch that. It wasn't until yeah. much later in life, and then when I watched it, I was like, "This is like." I think I remember I watched it on VH1 the first time, and it was like all cut up and shit. So then mm-hmm. I watched the full thing uncut, and you're like, "There is so much happening here." There was so much going on, you know, it could work on like any number of levels that you wanted to work on PTSD, mental health, yeah. d- drug addiction, whatever it is. It's all there. Uh, terrible upbringing, terrible family life. All of it kind of corrode you from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it. But then comfortably numb. Like uh, I think it was the um, uh, uh, the departed when I went back and watched uh, the wall and then listened to the double. And I was like, wow, there's this great shit so comfortably numb has become one of my favorite fucking songs oh. bar none man bar none dude. well go back and listen to if you haven't um mm. the album animals okay i bet you would like 87's momentary lapse of reason okay all right and then if you like that then you'll like the division belt which came out in 94 i just look okay. at the years to make sure because it's always it's a span of time between Right, right. Uh, their early stuff. It's a lot of weird experimental stuff on one album. Yeah. Uh, animals, I think you'll like. Okay. And then uh, Dark Side, you've heard. Even if you've yes. never sat down to listen to the album, you've heard the album. Yeah. It's it's great, but at this time, at this point, it's overplayed. Right. I, I know all those songs, but Animals and... Uh, animals. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Check them okay. out. And then Momentary Lapse of Reason. I think those two you would like. Okay. I'm down with that. It's because uh, they've got a channel. I, th- I don't think they got it. I don't think they have a channel actually on Sirius XM. They don't have one of those channels, which you could discover all their shit mm-hmm. if they did have one. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, uh, you can get a mask. You can get a mask with Pink Floyd. <laughs> they did a they did a live album in the late nineties that was excellent too. Okay. Okay. Uh, the two disker at the time. But now it's whatever, it's on iTunes. Yeah, wish wish you were here. Is that one of the or is that one of the newest one or later ones? Pulse. The later years? Animals. There's animals. Yeah. Okay. Animals is their early iteration. Okay. And then you get Dark Side and The Wall after that. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Anything else? Final, uh, yeah, I wish what? you were here. You'd like as well. Okay. Well, a momentary lapse of reason. There it is. Okay. Yeah. So those three, because those are the... You can see where they're leading up to, but they're more of a... The concepts haven't gotten as extravagant yet. I right. wish you were here in Animals. It's getting there. Huh. Uh Yeah, I've listened right. to a lot of Floyd. A lot of <laughs> Floyd. They're good. They're good, man. I remember what can one, I say? They're fucking good, man. <laughs> uh, when Catherine was moving out of the old shop and yeah. moved into the new shop, I spent uh, three days fixing and doing all the repairs and repainting and all that stuff. Right. And her dad showed up at one point, and I'm up scraping this fucking... I'm perched on a ladder sitting with the door to the front open because I need to scrape off this paint they put on the, the glass. Yeah. And it comes off. You just got to scrape. And I'm listening to Floyd. And he walks up and he's like, oh, Floyd, huh? And I was like, <laughs> way back, baby. Way back. Uh, I love, you know, yeah. there's a lot of bands that I've listened to a lot. Right. No, I know this one. Yeah, I know Learning to Fly. I know oh, from playing for yourself? Yeah. yeah, I can yep. play through the headphones. You know, so that song is the vibe of that album. Oh. Really, learning to fly is the, the you know the hookiest, the best, the one that's going to capture you the yeah. most. But it's got a nice ebb and flow to it. Um, yeah, man, I remember liking this song a lot. Yeah, it's good. Up, no turning back. Yeah. Tongue tied and twisted, just an earthbound mystery. Yeah. Is Dogs even, of War their version of Dogs of War, the Black Sabbath Dogs of War, or did they do it first? Actually, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. I, I would assume Dogs Sabbath. Yeah, I think Sabbath did it first. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Still, hearing their version is probably fucking badass. I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, I'm, oh. dude, it's on uh, Amazon MP3 Digital Music, so I can just listen to the whole album uh, after we're done with the show. I'll probably mm-hmm. do that while I'm watching the game, um, which is weird. <laughs> Floyd White watching basketball. Such an old man thing to do. <laughs> Two birds with one stone. Enjoy. <laughs> All right. So that was your number four. So, uh, <laughs> um, and that's, and Bob Geldof is great in that movie. People will think he's just the band aid guy. I know. Uh, he's good. He's pretty great in that movie. He plays um, Mania where it's believable. Oh, yeah. I mean, that scene in the bathroom when he's, when he's like, and then oh. finding out like somehow the ripple effect of finding out like his daughter was a big party girl and then she became famous for that like the Paris Hilton of, of England yeah Peaches Geldof yeah yeah, yeah. Go. yeah. Good. I knew her name was Peaches it was something like Peaches yeah I yeah I knew that. from this and then Live Aid and that's all yeah. I knew Bob Live Aid. No, that's what I meant Live Aid sorry yeah I always get Live Aid and Band-Aid mixed up it's my bad oh I didn't hear you say Band-Aid uh, um, alright so then my number four is Gandhi Gandhi oh that's a punt really four yeah dude yeah for, for yeah. various reasons well, various reasons yeah, things we've already punted for at least. Yeah. So I'll be intrigued with the, what the other one is. My number three then yeah. 
is King of Comedy. Yeah, not on my list. Oh, uh, dude, I put it on. Rewatched it a year ago. Yeah, all good. over again in the lead up to uh, like Joker when it was burbling. It's like it's gonna kind of yeah. be like this. I was like, all right, I'll go back and rewatch King of Comedy. Yeah, uh, it is good. Rupert Pupkin. It's <laughs> such it a great be, name, dude. Is fits the character to a T. And Robert De Niro acts the living shit. I mean, look at the oh, yeah. string of movies he's done to that point. And Pupkin, Pupkin has the mania that other of his characters have had. But it's oh, it's this completely different complexion. That's easily my favorite Sandra Bernhardt performance of all time. Oh yeah, oh, all a time. thousand percent, a thousand percent. Yeah, because otherwise it's Roseanne or Hudson Hawk. Sure, I'm sure she made an appearance on Grace Under Fire at some point. Oh, probably, probably. Uh, like yeah. it, it's not a whole lot. But not just Bobby. I mean, you've got Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis is uh-huh. great in the film as well. My God, he this is. For people who had grown up with the goofy dude, with the muscular dystrophy guy. Hi, hi. Yeah, that guy. To watch him in King of Comedy. Like, oh, so there is a very yeah, ruthless real. motherfucker hanging out inside this dude, you know? Well, but like we had seen, uh, what was the Sean Hayes and can't remember the other guy's name I can picture. Oh, him. yeah, yeah. I or Dean and Martin or whatever. Yeah. Martin yeah, Lewis, like, right? You've heard the stories over the years. Yeah. At least I did. You know, the people that grew up with him more than likely assumed, like, oh, he's probably like this goofy, lovable yeah. type of guy. And he had that in him, but he also had a super serious, like super serious side. Yeah, yeah. You don't succeed in this business, especially in comedy, I guess at that time, without having that kind of like hard-ass streak. Like Sid Caesar was a bit of an asshole as well. And a oh, number Bill of Burrow these comedians. Dick. Oh, Bill Burrow, right. He stole, he stole people's jokes all the time. Oh, that's uh, not even the half of it, you know? <laughs> It's the one of the lesser of his transgressions. How many, these story motherfuckers, heard, how many motherfuckers would survive nowadays? Zero. Almost zero. You know what they always say about Uncle Milty? What's that? He only pulled out enough to win. <laughs> Yikes. That's what I've heard about him Yikes, on dude. more than one story. And that's part of the <laughs> hazing bullshit that he would do. Right. Like, uh, right. Suddenly, suddenly I'm dealing with somebody's crank, and I wasn't anticipating that today. Uh, you know behavior a la porkies that would yeah. never happen today yeah you're right you're right shit what was that i think it's jeremy northam who plays uh who plays dean martin in that movie because sean hayes also played larry in the stooges yeah in the three stooges movie which i thought he actually did a good job yeah it is jeremy northam fuck me all right i got that I right can, yeah i can picture the dude what he looks like but i couldn't yeah. tell you he had a run for a little while in movies and then he did because he was in emma the gwyneth paltrow one right right but he's great in the crown he's great in the crown and he happy texas if you ever saw that oh yeah happy texas uh is that zon yeah Uh yeah i like that movie yeah i mean he's great as the prime minister oh yeah on crown yeah first season of the crown first and second season of the crown he's really good in that so yeah huh (laughs) crazy man um, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, like everything he does there with Rupert Pupkin is like, is everybody's greatest fear to have as a fan, someone mm-hmm. who has this undeniable belief in themselves that they can be just as good as you. And they just need you to give them uh, an opportunity 
and they don't want to wait and earn it and go through the ranks. They want you to give it to them because they believe they could be that good. Yeah. Uh, and they don't take no for an answer. <laughs> he just, he's like a battering rim and he's not, he's not mean or evil. He's just has a goal he wants to reach. And so he's going to do what he can to get there. And it's just like, yeah, it's unsettling. I mean, I, I would say it's a gradation of evil. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's mean. No, I don't think he's mean. But he definitely, I mean, he's got a, a mania, obviously, but it manifests itself like when he's in the waiting room before he ever oh, kidnaps yeah. him. Oh, my and God, just sits yeah. there all day, just like, bah, 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 you know, smiling, trying to chat up the lady. And at first, she's nice. Yeah. And yeah. then the next scene, it's like it's four days later and he's continued to do this. And they're like, dude, he's back. He's back. Yeah. They escort him from the building and, um. Yeah. So I anyway, it's my number three. I think it's awesome. That's a great point, man. It's a great film. Uh, my number three is First Blood. Oh shit! I missed that on the list. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I skipped over First Blood. Yeah, All right. So that would be. Would that be? Great score, by the way, man. I might that put that at two. Wow. First Blood is great. Wow, at two. Yeah, it's only got a two and bump everything else down. Night Shift just got bumped. All right. Off the list. Yeah, off the list. Great score from Jerry Goldsmith in this movie. I love it. Stallone is fantastic. Um, And this is Stallone before it becomes like, you know, fucking superstar Stallone. This is still Stallone kind of progressing to where he needs to get to. Yeah, he's, he's in great shape, you know. And this is right when the Vietnam veteran movies were all coming out, you know, Missing in Action, Uncommon Valor, you know, Platoon. A few years later, this is all around the uh, Vietnam era time of movies coming out, um, and it's an unusual one because he's a veteran coming back and he's dealing with PTSD with which some of the films kind of touched on but didn't 100 percent dive into. Yeah, and you see it happening in this movie, and then Brian Dennehy's ruthless the late great brian dennehy is ruthless as this sheriff and it's funny to watch it in 2020 with all the complaints about corrupt cops or cops that use their badges to kind of break the law and inflict their will uh yeah. on unsuspecting people or on people that they want to bully and you know and stallone is doing his trying to figure out where he belongs and the cop just unnecessarily instigates the situation and it just kind of blows. It just kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it becomes this massive confrontation. And then something so unusual happens when he breaks down and cries in front of Colonel Troutman at the end. You're just like, "Oh wow, dude!" That's yeah. what that's what makes it a great movie. Yeah, because it's an interesting story up until that point, and yep. you see ultimately when he kind of crumbles before you. Yeah, the seismic activity that's going on in his life, and this, yeah. this is. The shell is gone. This is what he's been reduced to. Right. Uh, so, I mean, in the middle of an action film, Stallone gives one of the best performances of his career. Agreed. A thousand percent. A in thousand the middle of an, and it's an excellent action movie, but it elevates it just above and beyond the vet walking through and he gets in a scrape with the cops and they're corrupt. Right. And it, that, I think what helps with Dennehy, too, is, you know, they chose not to make it. Hey, man, what are you doing in my town? Right, right, right. Get on up out of here, boy. And you're like, 
All right. I know this guy has no redeeming quality. Was Denny? Denny just has a cold iciness about him. Right. He's like, sun goes down. You're not. You don't hang around here. We don't want your kind around here. Which is once again because he stands for America at the time, which was rejecting their Vietnam yes. veterans, right? Throwing baby shit on them and whatever we we'll call them, child killer when they came off the plane, things like that, or you know, like having a because we lost technically lost that war, and it's they, it's not something that you at the time were revering veterans for serving, and some of them, so many of them came back damaged mentally from the experience, the Agent Orange, all of that, so. People didn't want to see Vietnam veterans. Some of the people in this in this country didn't want to see Vietnam veterans. Didn't want to work with Vietnam veterans. Didn't want to be around them. Uh, and so Stallone symbolizes that because he's coming back. He's trying to figure out. He's like walking. He's walking. He's almost like kung fu. He's just walking from town to town, trying to figure out where he belongs. Right? What yeah. he's trying to do. Uh, and the sheriff just will not let him go, um, and will not let him be. And it just you know becomes what it becomes. And a great to see a young David Caruso there is kind of this dickish deputy um uh yeah. and uh richard krenna is just incredible as colonel arms uh, colonel troutman um nice pull yeah and then what he becomes like it's the thing and like because he's visiting all the people who've died from his platoon because he's trying to touch base with them and he's trying to find his way back home right mm-hmm. and so when he breaks down at that end he's like you know he's dead no one's there there's no one's left no one's left no one's left and yeah. it's clearly that he was a guy who wasn't that smart necessarily certainly smart for war but he was like a guy who really had a very sensitive nature but he just didn't like he couldn't process that this family that he had built outside of probably a terrible upbringing was gone and how he couldn't process all the losses at once and he was uh losing it um, and I think this is the thing that sometimes people come at Stallone and maybe this is something for my channel to do one day, but like people come at Stallone too much and like they imply that he's stupid or they make fun of the way he speaks. And it's like every, almost every one of these films of his, he tries to throw a really interesting social message or political message in the movies like fist, which wasn't that good, but he has that Even Rocky has a little bit of that, the underdog uh, aspect of it all. And so here again, he's making a comment about the world. And yeah, it's based on David Morrill book, but he's still playing this guy in a certain way to reflect mm-hmm. what was happening. So it's a lot of respect for the military, but also a lot of like wanting to show what we did to these people. So I don't know. I'm just saying, I think he's way more intelligent people than credit. Yeah, that, that to me is a more interesting exploration of the catharsis that the country needed to go through. Yeah. As opposed to something like born on the 4th of July. Yeah, I agree with you a thousand percent. Whereas Born on the Fourth just felt like we were needlessly ripping a scab off, and I didn't need to go through that again. Where whereas First Blood puts me in the perspective and helps me understand, you know, how is yeah. how is this my fault? Like I was following orders, but then that's the Nuremberg defense. Yes, right. Uh, but he didn't ask to do all this stuff. He signed up potentially if it was early on because it was the patriotic duty, and we were going to war. And, right. Service country thing. Yeah. 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 And now Absolutely. you're spitting on me for doing my patriotic duty, which you didn't have the stones to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I went and did this for this country. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, and God bless those people that do sign up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in some individuals' DNA. Others are just young and dumb and they're like, I don't know. I need to do something. Yeah. Or they um, have no other option. Right. Yeah. They have no other option. I know some people that, somehow knew intuitively that they would thrive in a very structured world yeah. and they've done very well in the military, but they were yeah. Yeah. Hellcat, hellcats outside of it. 
Yeah. And they just needed the structure of you need to be here at this time and you need to execute this task. And just they're good at that. Um, That's why I did it. That's why I had no fucking I was out of. Con- yeah. I had no I've known a few. Yeah. Once you get in there, though, it teaches. I think, you know, I left it because I hit my wall where people were just not it just I wasn't surrounded with too many smart people. So you kind of hit that wall. Where it's like, I don't want to keep doing this here. But now, as I got older, it's like now I would totally go in as a job. You know, that I could totally do that as a job because you have the regimented things, you know where everything is, you know what's expected of you. Yes, there's red tape and yes, there's bullshit uh, uh, going down. But like now I'd understand what it was and I've lived my life yes. so I can go and now relax and do a settled job working for the military, doing something at a, at a department or whatever like that. And that would be, you know, fine. You know, but like at, when you're young, you're just like, no, I want to do more. You know, they just be this. But you're right. For some people, the regimented nature of it all kind of saves their lives and gives them something to aspire yeah. and look forward to. Yeah, true. And others are the, I love the <laughs> ones that never in a million years should they have done this. It was a dumb decision because you don't have the personality type for it. Yeah, yeah. I've known those as well. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. You've known more. You've known more of all these of things. Those, yes. As a civilian, I knew a lot of these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I only had one friend that I never so understood, true. but he thrived. Oh, really? Uh, oh, wow. He's just the nicest guy. He has no problem with law and order. Right. But he's such a free spirit of an individual. Yeah. yeah he's done yeah. two tours in Afghanistan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Much respect. He came back. I mean, it's, you know. He's still close to who he was. I miss yeah. who he was. Yeah. But some of that is lost to time anyway. True. Uh, we all change. And he's, yeah, he's close. I, yeah, I've changed. He's changed. He's still one of the nicest, most free spirit individuals I've ever met. Just, That's good. I think it's just more about it like a brotherhood thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can get that. Um. All right. Uh, <laughs> first blood sparked a big conversation. All right. What's your number two, man? Oh, well, number four, two was. Two was three was the punt from earlier, Gandhi. Okay. All right, so th- so now it's closer to where I had it at four. So Gandhi's at three. Yes. Okay, uh, down yeah. to three. It's a, uh, you know, when you were, you'd seen it long before I had. Mm-hmm. I brought it up, and it's kind of one of those that slipped through the cracks, and I forgot about it. And then you see a picture of Bing Kingsley every once again, and you're like, oh yeah, you played Gandhi, yeah. but never think to sit down and watch it. And uh, it's totally worth it. It is yeah. worth every second of that, however long the runtime is. It's like three hours, yeah. Yeah, it's, I might, it's a little over three, I believe. Oh yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, let me see. Um, because you need that kind of slow scope if you're going to attempt to tell the yep. story of a man who before there was social media or any kind of truly national media presence outside of a newspaper yeah. built a groundswell of the entirety or the majority of the nation to his cause through word of mouth. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't make a lick of sense. Yeah, man. Um. And we all collectively, as a world, go. Gandhi, Gandhi was a good one. Yep. Yep. To be known, and now echo your name will echo through the ages. As far as you know, as long as we can remember, we will remember. Yeah, that's impressive. I watched it again the other day for like thirty minutes. It was on either Showtime or um, the Mo- Epics or the Movie Channel, one of those. And I was just like, I don't get how people cannot like this movie. It's a gorgeous movie mm-hmm. it's a powerful message it's a incredible performance from a 26 year old ben kingsley um and it captures the essence of this man and what he was trying to do yeah and the terrible things that the british empire were doing 
to India, to Indians, South Africa, in South Africa as well. The stuff that they were enduring there. Um, and then you see how he progresses from this idealistic young lawyer into a guy who figured out how to speak in public. And it was the authenticity of him, the honesty of him that really came across versus other people who were like more eloquent or more verbose or grandiose or whatever. It was Gandhi's simplicity, Gandhi's just kind of authenticity that people gravitated to yeah. in large numbers, which is why he was able to do the things that he did, you know, and that scene when he's um, starving himself and he's on the fast and the guy yeah, comes up, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the, when he finally, ha- it finally admits to him that he's, done what uh what he what he told him to do there's it's such a beautiful i cry every time because the guy like breaks and just kisses his feet because it's like it's that finally getting through to even through the most violent person to their heart you know and so it's not an easy thing yeah. to do but he, it was incredible to do that yeah um and in no way do i view that as brown face well, he's half Indian. He's half Indian in real life. Kingston. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's, that. that's why but, they cast him. Yeah, or reason why they cast him. It's he gives such a dignity to the, to the performance. Yeah, that's a great word, Matt. Absolutely does. And, and you know, even if he was fully like, I wouldn't care who. But it's also me as a white guy, and I'm used to seeing white guys as the leads in movies. So per, perhaps it's my subconscious racism. And if so, guys, let's enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> Before they probably going to go away eventually. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah. it, you know, find the right person for the role. It's like the objections. Uh, who's the newest person potentially coming out with a transgender movie? Yeah. Was it Scarlett Johansson like a year ago? Yeah, it was supposed to come out. Yeah, the one that was spaced in Pittsburgh. I remember. Yeah, that. it was rumored. And then people said you should get a trans, you know, gender person, yes. whatever the role was. And I, while I agree with you in principle, if you yeah. do that, producers are never going to give you the money. You're never going to make this. Even if you do make it, it's not going to get enough eyes on it. Now, it's nice that it was made. This is my opinion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if you put somebody like that in and that's going to get eyes. And now maybe more of your story gets across so right. that once there is a transgender individual of enough fame, they can make a movie like that. What's that middle ground that you're trying to figure out? They yeah, I just stuff. I'm not against it. You're just asking for yeah. the moon. Right. And you'll get it eventually. I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get more people to go, yeah, I'll help you too. And it yeah. just just like Gandhi started with the, those locally around him and grew from there. We will uh we'll get it done, guys. It's a whole list of things. <laughs> Whether or not it happens in my lifetime, I'm not sure. I thought I love- there was a chance. Maybe. Yeah, they looked like there was a chance 2008. Oh, well. Um, well, I don't even think of that. There was more ingrained problems still persisting that I didn't realize. Mm. And the internet helps bring that to the fore. Oh, it certainly does. It does. By the way, Kings is the same age as Stallone. They're both 76. It's kind of crazy. That is crazy. Um, Can you imagine Kingsley on HGH like Stallone is? <laughs> <laughs> Just all bainy and yoked for no reason. I want to be part of the Expendables. I want to be part of the Expendables. You'll make me a part of the Expendables. Um, I think Stallone would jump at that opportunity to put Kingsley in an Expendables movie. Um, but yeah, yeah he's he was born. His actual name is Krishna Panda, Pandit Banji. 
So, I mean, oh, wow. you don't get more Indian than that, I don't yeah. think. Uh, his mother was English, um, and his father was of Gu- Gujarati Indian descent. So, and he was born in uh, England, in, I'm sorry, in, in uh, the UK, in Yorkshire, North Riding of Yorkshire. So, yeah, North Yorkshire, England. So, he kind of had the best of both worlds. It kind of, you know, put him in a position to play this role. Uh, and I think he won Best Actor for it. And I know the, the film won Best Picture. And uh, Sir Rach- Richard Attenborough directed it. So, you know, people have seen yeah, it. Was, fairly uh, certain he won the Oscar for this. As director? Probably. No, Probably. as actor for... Yeah, I think he did. I think I he did. Because so. if you look at the other movies that came out that year, who else had a performance that stacks up? Oh, you're right. He won the Golden Globe and the Oscar. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Wow, okay. Thank you for telling me about the Golden Globe. You could never do that again. <laughs> like, it's utterly meaningless. Oh, you got the People's Cable Ace Choice Award. Okay. You got the Doorstop oh, Award. You got the Doorstop Award. That's basically it. Oh, he got the Popularity Contest with Teeny Boppers. Congratulations. <laughs> you got Best Kiss at the MTV Movie Awards. Got Teen Nick, you know, Radical Dude of 1991. This guy's radical. I don't even know who oh. they give now the swag award, but that would oh. probably be played out in a year or so. Yeah, I guess the swag award. You're right. I like that. Or the drip. Oh, he just won the drip. The drip. Yeah, that's what Winston calls his team. You know, it's called swag his team, and he talks about giving them the drip drip. And I was like, all right, exactly. All right, it's all right guy. but it'll be phased out. How old is Winston? He might be aging himself out. Uh, major, I think Winston's in his. Late twenties, early thirties. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, incorrect. He is 62. <laughs> Black don't crack, son. You might want to remember that for the smoothie. We are going to get gotcha. into birthdays. I apologize. It's when Mance comes back in. I'm I know ready. that I'm birthday. Ready. All right, Mance. I'm ready. June seventh, six fifteen a.m., nineteen seventy-two. Um, <laughs> listening to Abbey Road. Abbey okay. Road. Okay. Do you keep a diary for this, or is this all just stored in there? Your mind pyramid, or mind? It was, it was me and Mister Mustard. I remember distinctly. <laughs> uh, yeah, the film won Best Director as well: Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Screen Original Screenplay, uh, Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Costume Design, and Best Editing. God damn, that thing cleaned up. One, two, three, well, four. It's not up against a whole eight. lot of prestige picks that year. Oh wow! Listen to you. We just yeah. said 1982 was like a big year for movies. What are you talking it- about? Well, we both did, but it's a big year for great movies that you'll carry with you, you know, type of thing. Gotcha. Like seminal movies for me personally. Uh, yeah. But as far as Oscar bait type of, this wasn't. Right. You know. What was E.T. was the other film. Missing, Tootsie, and The Verdict. Those were the other four films nominated for Best Exactly. Movie. What what of those films qualitatively as far as the Oscars is concerned and what they reward, especially at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God checks every one of the boxes tenfold. Wow, craziness. Craziness. Yeah, nobody else had a shot. They were all it was legitimately a year where they're like, I'm just I'm happy I'm here. Yeah. This yeah. is nice. Maybe it helps with the box office receipts. Appreciate that. You know who got nominated for Best Director that year? Wolfgang Peterson for Das Boot. But Das Boot is not a nineteen eighty two film. It was released in eighty one around the world and then released in the oh, US a year later yeah, whatever six months later. Year later yeah so fascinating um 
And then Kingsley beat Dustin Hoffman for Tootsie, Jack Lemmon, Paul Newman, and Peter O'Toole for My Favorite Year, which was a very difficult cut on my list. I love My Favorite Year. It's my kind of movie, and I couldn't put it on the list. So, um, All right. Where are we, dude? Oh, we got way off track. Where are we? Wait, you're two. We always did your two, right? Yeah. All right. So we're at Wrath of Khan, which is my number two, okay. which is your punt from earlier. Mm-hmm. I was watching it again this morning. It was on Epics this morning. I was watching about 20 minutes. It was late to my morning show this morning because I was caught up watching it. Um, there is no other. I don't think there's any other movie that is as much of a crack movie as Wrath of Khan is for me. Whenever it's on, I just go, or I, or I you know, light up the thing or whatever, and just I'm, I, I'm addicted to it. I'm not even Major League, which is probably a film I've seen more than any other film, okay. except for maybe Wrath of Khan. Not even Major League can keep me watching like wrath of Khan does. like i just I, I get so fucking mad because i'll start it and i'm like ah fuck and i'm just i get sucked into it i've lost hours i've lost like i've rescheduled events i've uh, uh canceled on people i've done that because i get sucked up into the movie so hard um that it does that to me and i love shatner i think it's shatner's best performance is kirk in any yeah. film uh, and I love that there's like this darkness to the whole thing from beginning to end. Um, when they go down to regular one and everyone's been tortured, like that is brutal to see in Star Trek. It's like a horror film for that 10 minutes of time on the screen. If you yeah. go down there. And then of course the, the conversation with Khan and Ricardo Montalban is a Latino villain who was badass in that movie. That was so great for me as a kid to see. So, and the score is incredible. You know, I think another Jerry Goldsmith score. So you're just like, man, this is just stellar from top to bottom. So I don't know what I can say about it. And, of course, that ending, that ending, which is so heartbreaking sure. and moving. So yeah. um, That's what I say. It's what I saw three in the theater, then four in the theater. Yeah. But in the interim, I think between three and four, I saw two and one. Okay. Type of thing. Right. And two gave me hope because one and three were not fun as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I could see. That. I especially hate three. <laughs> I do. I hate it in the theater. All the crying and the earth shaking as it's being terraformed, while he's also going through. So when he's a child, the earth that that earth is a child or that planetoid object, or whatever the fuck, yeah. and his teenage years, and it's all the seismic activities. Like I, even as a kid, it's like I get it. This is not fun. I hate. Yeah. That. <laughs> I you know I understand what they're doing in the overall arc. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, three. If three was the last one, what a disappointing movie. Yeah. 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 If you're making that assuming you're going to be Star Trek. You're not really Star Trek yet. That comes later once we have a hit of Next Generation. Like, four was did well at the box office. They did okay. Right. Type of things. But uh, uh, So, two was the saving grace of why I, I believe I went and saw four. I saw four in the theater, too. And four is probably my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I thought it was just magic coming out. And I still, it still captures all of that. Uh, whereas Khan is much darker. Yeah. I love. Yeah, which is good. I wish I'd seen that later in my life because it probably have more of a resonance than four. Yeah, I still like it. True. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't compete for me. Six is still one of my favorites. I still love six. I like six a lot, too. Yeah. It probably, for me, goes uh, honestly four, six, two. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. See, I, I'll, I, I'll give it to you. Like Two is yeah. probably the best movie. Right, right, right. You know that objectively. Yeah, but, but. to me, Star Trek is about fun. Yeah. And not, it's not uh, this huge character development. Could right. be, though. 
but at that point and how I view those movies, but yeah, six is so much fun. The, the stand in for Siberia type of yeah, yeah, the gulag, colony yeah. and the mom who can, or a mom rather who can shape shift. And yeah. so what's a real look in this, the, <laughs> the assassin in the United nations of space. It's, yeah. The United nations of space. That's a great way to put it. So it is. Uh, uh, that's great. Yeah. Still topical too. this idea of having to confront, you know, changing your opinions about a long held belief or hatred of a people. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So there we go. I mean, what can I say about Rathacon? Everybody knows. I mean, it's just so yeah. fucking good. It's the best. Uh, number one, then, is uh, what's your number one? Is uh, the thing, the pun from earlier. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. And did we, we just flip flopped on five ones, didn't we? I think so. Oh, bring out the coin. Yeah. All right. Got it right here. Bring out the coin. Um, I, should get, I should get me a coin for these occasions. So the thing and Blade Runner, we've, we've talked a great deal about. We have. We have. Even the remake of the thing is pretty good. Yes. The sequel to Blade Runner, for me personally, is I like that more than Blade Runner. I can't say that, but I do love it. Okay. So I think it's equal. I could see either one at any time, and their scores are both yeah. stellar. Um, but yeah, I enjoy Dylan Villeneuve's vision, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. Ridley Scott's timeless vision. Which is why it's my number one, you know. It's still my meditation music. I'll put on the Blade Runner. Like there's a there's been if you go to YouTube, there's like multiple YouTube videos that have like Blade Runner music for eight hours or three hours or four mm. hours or atmosphere. Yeah. So they'll just basically take what you hear in the movie and just replicate it every hour. It's like, holy shit, man. So it's just like it's incredible to just immerse yourself in that world. It's just something about it so unique. So and it changed the face of science fiction. I think it's still behind 2001. I think it's the greatest science fiction film ever made. So right. it's number You're two. not alone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of people hold that. It never, it never captured that much of my attention mm. or imagination. Uh, I liked it, but the problems, not the problems I had with it, but the, the scenes that aren't my favorite in it still yeah. aren't my favorite. Like mm. what I love about it, I still love. And it's about 75, 80% of it. Yeah. And there's like, ah, I would cut this one or maybe interject with something over here. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's, you know, excellent to me. That's where it ends up like on a five, whereas a thing for me, the thing for me, um, still super impressive to this day, even the practical effects that they choose to use. Yeah. It looks cheesy every once and again, but it still kind of looks badass. Yeah. Yeah. And to know that they did this all you know, they made all the props and it's all by hand and it's, you know, that's corn syrup with red dye and <laughs> all right. It's, yeah. It's, it's a special effects, truly just a craft craftsmanship kind of artisanal movie. Yeah. Um, tiny little budget taut. And the best part is it ends and you get to much like inception. Does the top go down or does it stay spinning? Right. right. The thing gives you a nice little, you know, piece of that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's just an excellent horror movie. I agree a thousand percent. Um, okay. Well, there's our uh, separate lists of the top 10 films of 1982. We're going to put these things together and have a final list for you here. I'm going to grab the bongos. Rosin up the bowl a little bit. All righty now. <laughs> you know. We're flipping the coin for one five. Yep. Here's the, yep. Here's the deal. Oh, what? You're putting rules on a coin flip? Just real quick. Whoever 
wins the flip, it's number one. But then whoever loses the flip is still it's number two. That's oh yeah, I, no, that's okay. right. I was All not right. going to fight you on that. Okay, we're just deciding which of these two things should be number one. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm going to flip it. Call it in the air. Flipping okay. now. Heads. Because I only have a regular. It is heads. Yes! I only have a penny on me. The other thing is uh, across the room. So. Rightfully so, Blade Runner. And you don't care because you won. Yes, right. That's right. For once. On a non-weighted coin. Uh, let's see. So first blood is now 2-3. Yeah. What? Which one? Gandhi. Gandhi is four for me. Yeah, three for you. Okay. Where's Wrath of Khan for you? Way down? Six. Eight? Oh, six. Okay. All right. That's my two. So. Two. So, all right. So, Wrath of Khan. Okay. Top five. That's cool. Um, we have Verdict, and that's it. Um, lower, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only thing we have in common, right? Oh, wait, wow. we put so wait, is Blade Runner, Star Trek 2, First Blood, Gandhi, and the Thing? Those are on the top five right now, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, the verdict is at six for me. All right. So personally, I think my three. What's your three? It's King of Comedy. Yeah, put it there. I don't care. Next highest. Um, the verdict at six. Okay. So the verdict. I got my four. So you okay. don't have that. So what's your four? Uh, the wall. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I got my seven. So do I. My seven uh, is Conan. What's all right, flip it a coin. All right, what's your seven? Uh, had to get the coin. See, now this is where I am fair, whereas in the past, certain individuals have said, well, you won the last one. I should win this one. And my <laughs> belief is they're all independent of one another. There should not be, unless it's an agreed upon cascading effect, Unless, as you stipulated earlier on the one five, which I would never do, you know, it seems only fair to do it the way we did it. How long so is say I would get the next one. How long is so. this diatribe? As long as need be. All right, you ready? <laughs> yeah, you get to call it because I called last time. I'll give it to you. Call it in the air. Go now. Heads. Hey, you won again. Oh! This is that rare moment where I win twice. The rare show, rather. All right, good to go. Are we good? All right. Yep. All right, the top 10 1982 movies. Yeah. At number 10. The Secret of Nim. At number nine. Conan the Barbarian. At number eight. Pink Floyd the Wall. At number seven. The Verdict. At number six. King of Comedy. At number five. Star Trek II, Rathacon. Con! At number four, Gandhi. At number three, First Blood. At number two, The Thing. And our number one movie from 1982 is? It's Blade Runner. Blade Runner. All right. Fantastic stuff. There we go, Matt. Our top 10 1982 movies. Thank you all so much for downloading this episode. If you're listening to us on the podcast format or if you're watching us on the YouTube channel damn straight thank you for everybody that supports us there um you know uh retweet it if you like the tweets uh bobby carney is crushing it for us on the social media so thank bobby you sir it's doing great work man he is doing great work 
uh, each and every week. He's got some yeah. gems, and we love it uh, every time. <laughs> yes. um, we hope you're enjoying the Golden Tickets, and if you'd like to join in on that or Topic Thunder, which comes out on Thursdays, go to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. At $5 and up, you get... Uh, you get the shout out. You get to participate in uh, Topic Thunder. If you go up, like whatever the different tiers, we have different things for everybody involved. Um, and you can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. Check out Dropping Dimes and Settle the Score. And that's it for me this week. Yeah, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, with all where you can see all. If you listen to us on a podcast format, all the stuff you see on camera. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, you listen to, you can see on camera on the YouTube channels. Go subscribe there. Subscribe to my YouTube channel as well, YouTube, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. Trying to get to that 15,000 subscriber mark. Would really appreciate your help and assistance. See all the great content we got going on there. And of course, the Cinephiles uh, and uh, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All of that happening in my life. So thank you all so much uh, for being a part of the Top 10 family. We love it every single time we get a chance to entertain you and be a part of it. And please share it. Please share these episodes. As Matt said, please get other people aboard. You know, some people have kind of moved away from being patrons because of, you know, financial situations or whatever. But like people are starting to slowly move back into some jobs, into some work. So try to pass on this show to them. Try to get them hooked into the top 10. Uh, you know, share how great and funny this show is and how much it's, it can like, Pick their spirits up uh, with all the stuff stuff going on in the world right now. So uh, that's what I would say, Matt. Uh, I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, you know, we understand that the global pandemic hits you in your wallet. So yep. if you'd be so kind as to share the show, uh, that that you know, we appreciate that just as much. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, that's it from us here on the Top Ten Show. Y'all take care. Have yourselves a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.